Dr. Rick Wallace dropping in on you. Hope everything is going well on your end. As for me, it has been uh, quite crazy. You have to excuse me. I've been sitting around doing some things around the house. Uh, just realized my cap's a little dusty. Don't worry about it. Hey, look, uh, I'm dropping in on you now for a real brief live session. Hopefully, um, what I share with you will just get you to thinking. Uh, this isn't too in-depth. Uh, today is Thursday, so between today and tomorrow, I will be also bringing to you the next installment of Beyond uh, Beyond the Surface, where we're talking about the mental games, the mind games, the propaganda, the mental conditioning, how it's carried out, and how you can actually overcome it and empower yourselves as individuals and as a part of the collective. If you haven't checked out uh, the first uh, couple of installments, definitely go check it out. Um, this is something I'm going to be doing on this one particular topic about mind manipulation um, on a grand scale. And I'm going to be doing it in segments so we can break down each element and component uh, in a very intricate and uh, integral way so we can really see how these things work. It's one thing to understand that propaganda works. I think a lot of us understand and believe it, but when you understand the psychological and sociological principles and elements at play, you tend to have a better understanding of how you can operate around it, within it, and to navigate it in a way that becomes beneficial to you. Uh, that's extremely important. So we're going to talk about that in that particular segment of Beyond the Surface. What this is about is just something that's been popping off for the last few days. You know me, I very rarely jump on the trend of something when it's hot. Yeah, that would be more views, more likes, uh, a little bit more revenue. But I really like to just sit back and watch how things play out. Um, by nature, as a researcher, I observe uh, I record, I analyze and interpret. Uh, I want to know what's really happening, how it works, how it moves. And it's amazing how this thing works at so many levels. And it sort of ties into what we're talking about on this whole propaganda, mind manipulation, media manipulation, media narratives, and how that impacts the thinking of the masses. And not just Black people, everybody is impacted by it, each with a different purpose in mind. But when we sit up and look at this, in case you haven't heard about this, you haven't been keeping up with what's going on with, um, hello, uh, Armenia. Um, if you haven't been uh, heard on, uh, I just put the information in there for those who uh, want to support the work that we do at the Odyssey Project from research, uh, from information dissemination to the programs we have like Black Men Leave, uh, Rite of Passage, uh, Restoring Ghettos Forgotten, all of those things you want to support the work we do, uh, that's the link. I'll share that throughout, um, but I just wanted to bring that up. I'm not going to stay on it too long. Look, just in case you didn't hear, uh, something happened uh, that has created somewhat of a dissent uh, and division within 
the Black Collective as if we didn't have enough division. But it was reported that as much as 18 percent uh, of and maybe more of black male voters voters actually voted for Trump. And it set off somewhat of a firestorm. And it was actually uh, a, a, a notice being sent to the Dem Party that there's a problem. Uh, black male voters have been traditionally voting Democrat. We vote Democrat at, at, traditionally at a rate of about 90% loyalty for the last 60 years, since the beginning of the 1960s. Uh, and especially after the Voters' Rights Act and all of that, we have voted on an increasing turnout up until the 2016 election, where we fell off some. But up until 2016, we had increased voter turnout every presidential election cycle, and we had voted 90 percent Democrat consistently. They get 90 percent of our vote just by getting us to show up. If you notice all of the ads that were pushing us to get out and vote really didn't tell us who to vote for. Why? It was automatically assumed we would vote Democrat and we would vote Democrat down. So it wasn't just about the presidential election. It was about everybody else. If we get them to the polls, they're going to vote for people they never met before. And people that, whose names they never heard before solely because they are Democrats. And it happened. That's not why I'm here, though. Why I'm here, though, is this little arbitrary anomaly that took place that's blowing people's minds and both sides one side is claiming credit. Another side is trying to explain why it happened, what really what, what was going on. Uh, Republicans are saying black men are starting to see that the Dems are not our friends. The Dems are saying that that was some manipulation and black men basically are too dumb to know what's going on and they were manipulated. And they are double, doubling down on that with Barack Obama, who has come out and said that this anomaly or this abstract thing, this arbitrary uh, reality that took place where black men sit up and voted uh, for Donald Trump, about 18 percent voted for Donald Trump. That is predominantly these are Obama's words, not mine. I'm definitely paraphrasing, but basically it is the culture of hip hop and rap music. Uh, that has created an idea that allows black men to relate more to Donald Trump than they do to the average Democratic candidate, the Democrat candidate, uh, candidate for uh, from the Democrat candidates from the Democratic part from from the uh, uh, Democrats. Now, he's doubled down on it. He, what he's saying is basically all the bling bling, all the Lamborghinis, all this stuff that's being portrayed and put out there is giving an in in uh a notion creating a notion and an idea that that lifestyle can only be obtained via our republicans and that those who listen to this music can relate to the republicans because they see that as being uh the, the caveat for wealth now there are a number of different problems with this. And I'm going to get back to my take on the 18% in just a second. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get back to that. But what I want to talk about is now this is the same Barack Obama who uh, was big upped and promoted and pushed heavily by rappers. 
both in 2008 and in 2012. Uh, it was Jay-Z. It was Diddy. It was, uh, I mean, just, just the who's who of hip-hop royalty at the time pushed him. He became, I mean, synonymous with Beyonce and Jay-Z. And it was a big thing. It was cool. He was quoting rap lyrics. He was talking and doing it when it benefited him. Now, the moment that there are some rappers saying something that doesn't align with what the Dems are pushing, uh, it's the the it's the it's rap music's fault that black men voted for a Republican president and especially someone like Trump. And the, here's the problem that I have with it. And those of you who have followed me for any time I'll, uh, already know that I am a huge advocate for black women. So I can sit up and I can speak boldly on behalf of black men without feeling like, OK, I'm letting our women down or ignoring uh, their issues and in, in their situations because I have on both sides held it held it down for both because we are a unit whether we act like it or not whether we are behaving as a people a unified people we are a people and what we don't understand is that more than any other group of people in this world we are designed to function in unison with one another we are designed to function in balance with one another we are designed in in, in a manner to let the masculine energy of the man and the, the feminine energy of the female merge into one and create synergy we are the unique and individual and in, in, in original people and that's why hurts us so mad so much when we are divided because we're not designed to operate individual of one another or independent of one another. We have our power in the uniqueness of our ability like no other people to merge together and create synergy. That's all synergy is. Synergy is the sinking of masculine energy and feminine energy to create what is known as synergy, the most powerful force that is when you merge the two and you get all of the feminine, all of the masculine in one. And it shows in the home, it shows in business, it shows in community, it shows in the element and component of our uniqueness and how we love one another, but it is constantly under attack because the enemy understands the power within. So we have to understand that there's always this 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 desire uh, and this this movement and, 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 and activity to try to create division. And so they created in every way possible. And one way that they create division is to pit the male, the black male and the black female against one another. Because if we ever truly step back and decide that we're going to heal from the very things that we are suffering from and see the beauty and, and power in one another, that's absolutely nothing that can stop us. We can talk black group economics all we want to. We can talk uh, higher education. We can talk all these different things, but until we come back to a point in time when we truly are able to connect with one another and understand the forces at play and how they operate beneath what we're seeing on a superficial level from a social perspective or a psychological perspective, we must delve deeper and see the elements and components of our true existence and nature on a universal scope and, and see just how powerful we are and how we are being attacked and manipulated to keep us weak. Um, but, you know, the thing is, when it comes down to 
black men. Now, I'm not saying that voting for Trump was the thing to do. I think that, but but it's in a statement. It's in a statement that we see what you're doing. We know what you're doing. And what happened? Uh, my response when I was asked, why do you think that Obama chose rap music? And my, my, my whole thing is, my response was, so he's, he, he says that it's because of rap music, right? It's because of rap music that, uh black men are gravitating towards the Republican Party or towards Trump. No, what black men did is make the same mistake that the vast majority of black people made, but they made it for the other candidate. See, the vast majority of black people voted for uh, Biden and Harris solely based off of the fact that they weren't Trump that they were the lesser of two evils with all of their tra past transgressions being laid out in front. They're still not Trump. We don't care. We know that Biden's had 47 years to get this right. And he hasn't, we know 47 years, he's actually done more harm than good, but he's not Trump. We know that Trump has only had four years to do things. And there's only so much he could have done to us in four years, specifically to us as a people, but we don't like him. So we're going to go with what we consider to be the lesser evil. That was the majority of black people. What black men did is they looked at both Biden and Harris and said, Biden, you have consistently, not just in the crime bill of 1994, but in the crime bill in mid 1980s, you sit up and you put in, uh, you were behind bills that uh, disproportionate, disproportionately punished black men for crimes that white men were doing equally or at greater rates, actually, but punish them more. And you did you did this first in the 80s by giving more time to people who were involved in crack related illegal activity from using to selling than those who were using powder cocaine. We know powder cocaine is something that's preferenced in the white community. Power uh, people with uh, offenses associated with powder cocaine were not getting anywhere close to the time that people who were associated with crack cocaine were getting. That's one way you did it. Then you came up with the crime bill, three strikes rule and all this other stuff in the 1994 crime bill. And uh, with offenses, even uh, considering marijuana, uh, which is legal in many states now, but uh, marijuana cases where kid, black kids and young black males uh, were being sentenced to these unbelievably long sentences for things that white kids are getting away with right now on college campuses. That is what black men said is, okay, we've suffered under your hand. And Kamala Harris, you use those same laws that Biden created to literally uh, rule with a heavy fist in California to keep the system full of black bodies so that you can get free label again from your particular from your particular, uh, you know, perspective, you sit up and you actually did that. So in essence, what they were saying was, we've seen what you've done. We know we're living out the experiences of your choices and your decisions. And what we're deciding to do is move in a different direction. Personally, I don't think that was the right choice but we've been put in a situation where we believe we only have one of two choices. 
that has been the magic of the two-party system. Here are your two choices, choose one. If you don't, and then we have this idea that we have to choose something because we think it's going to win. We never want to take a step and do something different that might be better for us because we don't see the long long-term impact on it. We're only thinking about now. So my whole idea is the very person who was big upped by uh, rap and hip hop and all that crap and and couldn't stop them from quoting, you know, rap music and and referencing rap music and all that. All of a sudden now it's blaming rap music because of the people who have defected from the party. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that there simply are more people because there's more information, there's more access to to true facts if, for people who want to do the research. More people are just simply saying, I'm not going to just listen to what the news is saying. I'm not just going to listen to what this person is saying. I'm not going to educate myself on memes. I'm going to actually go out, read, study, try to understand how this thing works. I've literally written for this more than 20 years. That's stuff that I put out 10 years ago. That if you go read it now, it's still relevant. And it's telling you about the stuff you're experiencing now. Most people didn't want to listen then. They said it was crazy. They didn't want to listen. My thing is, I'm not here to argue with people. One thing that I've done over the last 10 years is develop more and more into a mindset of stop trying to convince people. I'm going to share what I share and I'm going to keep moving. I very rarely even go back to my post now and communicate. Every now and then somebody shows up and says something sideways and I feel the need to check them. But just going back, trying to argue a point, you're either going to get it or you're not. My thing is, I don't expect everybody to think like me. I don't want everybody thinking like me. That's the problem. The vast majority of Americans think all the same way, either one side or the other. There are, there are these highly polarizing ideas, and that's where that nobody's thinking individually and critically. Nobody sitting up saying is, okay, if we've been thinking this way for the last 50 years, and this is where we are, this is what we've gotten is it feasible that it might be in our best interest to completely shift our thinking that if we've done this for 50 years and this is what we've gotten for 50 years, it's probably not a good idea to keep doing it, but the vast majority of it do it. Why? Because we're literally conditioned from the moment we hit school, we're conditioned to think the same way. Now, if God created you, individually with this uniqueness and then you know whether you are christian jewish islam uh buddhist whatever there's these principles in all of these holy books that are the same so i'm going to reference christianity because that's where most of us have a reference now if god created us with this uniqueness but this inherent power that we're literally capable of doing the things that he does. This is biblical. This isn't me talking. And we are told in the Bible that our gifts will make room for us and bring us before great men and great things. But we're all doing what everybody else is doing. The same way, what they're saying, how they're saying it, and only a small few are benefiting from it. Are we actually walking in our gift? Are we allowing our gifts to be raped and used for the benefit of the few? 
And then the same few that benefit are the ones that's feeding the media because only six men own all 13,200 mainstream media outlets, six. So they are controlling the narrative that controls the way you think. If you think what you're consuming on a daily basis does not control your thinking, you're sadly mistaken. Why do you think they spend $2.5 million on Super Bowl Sunday for a 30-second slot? Because they know how many people are watching it, and they know that that little time will have an impact. Millions and millions are put into the controlling of the industry. And then if you want to talk about rap, who controls the actual industry? I'm not talking about who's in front of you. They put people who look like you in front of you, and then they control the narrative. Ask anybody signed with a major label how much creative control they have over the music they put out. Very little. They can bring all the songs they want. And the executives are going to determine what songs make the album. And if they don't like any of the songs, they're going to tell you what type of music they want and what music sells. We went from being 20 years ago, especially 30 years ago, highly conscious in the music we're putting out, highly empowering. Think about it. Back when I was coming out of high school and in college, we had uh, all the rappers come together and put out a record like Self Destruction. You had the X Clan, you had Tribe Called you had all these people who are talking about our history, beyond slavery, beyond suffering. They were talking about who we were in, in, in past times. They were talking about what we're capable of now. They were pointing out things about people we talk about that we didn't know. They were pointing out a side of Martin that most of us hadn't heard of. They were putting that out there. What happened? All of a sudden, those who had the power opened up the gates and flooded the markets with uh, gangster rap. They made gangster rap the thing. All of a sudden, it started to be about violence. It started to be more about flossing. It started to be more about materialism. It starts to be more about consumerism. Then it started to be about dope. And then it started the misogyny and disrespect of our women. And, and it flooded. And you can't tell me, you can't track the behavior and the social norm shifting along with the music. The music is not simply a reflection of what's going on. It's a catalyst for it. We better understand that. So when I look at what's happening in this situation with 18% of men voting for Trump, my whole thing is that's 18% of our men that sit up and say, I know what you did to me or I know what you did to us. And if it's a black man like myself that identifies uh, us, and 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 uh, that I identifies with just being black. If you do it to one black man, you do it to me. You do it to all. I'm not independent of my blackness. I'm not ex exclusive from 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 my blackness. I am by my very nature and existence a black person, a black man before anything else. So when it happens to black men, I feel it. And so I take issue with it and I stand up and I prepare to deal with it based on that nature. Now, here's the other thing. You talk about American descendants of slaves. You're talking about those of us who have the richest, deepest and, and longest history here as blacks in this country and that we have the psychological and traumatic fallout of it playing over generation after generation because it hasn't been dealt with. Despite the calls for healing, it has not taken place. Despite the call for reparations, 
and, 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 and retribution. That has never taken place. So then what we're looking at is a fallout from that behavior and a complete slap in the face and being ignored by a certain group of people that we consistently give our loyalty to without them having shown us anything in return. We have become a, what am I trying to say? We have become a side note that doesn't get any, leverage because we haven't leveraged our involvement. We haven't leveraged our dollar. We haven't leveraged our vote. We haven't leveraged our social movement and availability. We are consistently offering our best up for others. We're consistently spending our money in, in economies that have a history of oppressing us. We are consistently turning over our children to be educated by the very people who oppress us and expect them to educate our children at a level that they can compete with theirs. And we actually think that makes sense. And we are consistently looking at the people who have never done us right to all of a sudden produce something that they have never historically produced. And then we act all frustrated when things don't go right. We're acting like we can't do research and find out that uh, while the Dems co-opted BLM, while the Dems co-opted this whole thing, and we can go back specifically to Ferguson and uh King Darren Seals and, and others, Nyota Yurura, they were telling us that their grassroots efforts were being co-opted co by uh, non-profit uh, non organizations. Uh, the the non-profit industrial, industrial complex was coming in and creating a co-option of this struggle. It was real. It was organic. It was the people saying enough is enough. We're standing up. We're pushing back. We had them on their heels. People were coming from all over the country to participate in this, but they allowed money to seep in and fund the co-option of it. And it was Dems that were right there co-opting it. Now, here's the funny thing. Now, if you go back and they want to point the finger at the Republicans, and no, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of, 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 of uh, culpability to go towards the Republicans. We're talking specifically about what's taking place now with Democrats and why we've got to be a lot more aware, a lot more educated on what's going on. We get Black Lives Matter to come in. Then we come to find out that Black Lives Matter, which was literally a movement before it became a nonprofit, it started actually in 2013. But when, it, when, when Mike Brown was killed in 2014, all of a sudden they went in and they started an organization that took the idea of Black Lives Mattering and created an organization, copyrighted it, uh, trademarked it, and then had it fun funded by George Soros. And it then became a way to divert actual resources, money, time and energy that was being sent into Ferguson to help the grassroots movement. It was that that money was now in the millions of dollars per month being funneled towards BLM, which turns out to be a front for feminist and gay rights. If you go to the site, what you didn't find while it was built on the blood of black men who died at the hands of police officers, rogue police officers, that was no place for the quintessential uh, heterosexual black male. That was no room 
for talk about the traditional black family nucleus. All of this is not just something that George Soros was. This is something that the Dems have been pushing because that's uh, how they've been maintaining leverage is the play to mind game. Black Lives Matter. Who 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 of us that don't that that are not properly educated in what black lives matter is is going to have a problem with someone saying black lives matter and talking about big up to without understanding the true nature of what's going on without understanding how the leaders of this organization were directly responsible for the death of darren seals we're talking about somebody getting on air and suggesting that he be drugged down the street and killed and that we wouldn't be safe until he was. And then next week he's dead. We don't we don't want to talk about the fact that the reason he was hated so much is he was pointing out the fact that the movement was being co-opted and the power of the grassroots movement was being drained and funneled into something that would not serve the purpose of the people. Look at where Ferguson and St. Louis is right now. That that region was on the verge of totally shaking up the world. This was a world stage in which black people were finally standing up and saying enough is enough. And the way they quieted was to send other black people in with an agenda. Anybody who has followed me has heard me say this on more than one occasion, that the most dangerous threat to black progress is black people with a white agenda. Barack Obama, the head of the freaking list. So when he sits up and he talks about all of all of, uh, uh, rap, me blaming rap, you mean the same rap music uh, that you were big up in when you were president and you were running the same uh, rap music where you had people like Jay-Z and Diddy and, and, and so many others getting people out to vote for you and hyping you up and, and all that and, and, and creating this uh, erroneous, false, fake faux swag that you had that had black people losing their freaking mind though you mean that rap music let's talk about who actually runs rap music let's talk about who's behind the business who benefits for the billions and billions and billions of dollars that come out of the hip-hop industry let's talk about that you you're blaming the black man for something he still doesn't control We have got to do better as a people. And what I mean by that is we've got to do better. We've got to get to a point to where we are cognizant of what's going on, that we are keenly aware of what's transpiring and we understand how things work. That's our problem is we are easily manipulated because we lack the perspicacity of the functional elements and components of a society that is based on a white racial caste system and how the components uh, actually move and operate on a corporate level in academia, in politics, in social engagement, in religion even in how we see each other on a level of 
pure sexuality, how we see each other in the way of attractiveness, how colorism is fed, how more value is given to a lighter hued black skin than a darker and how we allow that to play out and how we deal with one another, how that feeds self-hatred. Oh man, somebody just said something I've been saying for, for years. The NAACP was funded and founded by Jews and it needs to be ixnayed, ixnayed and gone. The, the uh, Congressional Black Caucus is a joke. It's been a joke. It's just another way that they give us a sense of having power without power. It's another way of putting black faces in high places and then putting them to use to keep the black masses at bay. We are going to have to start thinking for ourselves. I said this in a video earlier this week. We're going to have to create think tanks. Think tanks that address every enigmatic issue that we are dealing with as a race, from education to economics, uh, to politics, to business. And we are going to have to invest in having these think tanks and these minds. There are some unbelievable and exceptional minds out there that can deal with the psychology of the issue. I have put in some work with some unbelievably extraordinary people in the area of psychology of our behavior. I've done great studies on the backs of Dr. Howard Stevenson and Dr. Joy DeGruy when it comes to understanding African-American adolescent young adult and young adult male violence. I know why it happens. I know the catalyst behind it. I know how to predict it before it happens. I know how to uh, mitigate it. I know how to work with that. I put that work out there. I've done the studies. I've written uh, the programs. I've implemented programs. I can show you the difference from that black males who have been properly racially socialized and those who have not. Uh, there's a difference in educational performance. There's addition. Uh, there's a difference in um, incarceration. There's a difference in the proclivity to violence. There's a difference in performing in the household as a head of a household. All of that can be handled if we understand that we need to put our minds together, that we're not going to wish this away. We're not even going to pray this away because I am a firm believer that prayer has power, that prayer has purpose, but prayer is not a magical tool that you wave over a problem to run it away. Prayer is a communication with the divine. Prayer is a communication with with, with the most high prayer is the understanding and getting the awareness of what's necessary. You are here for a reason. If you didn't, if you weren't necessary to solve the problem, you wouldn't be here. The divine would do it solely by divine declaration. The fact that you're here means you're here for a purpose. If you're breathing, you're here for a purpose. You're here to get something done. It's going to be up to you to find out how you fit into this. It's going to be up to you to find out what role you need to play in it. It's going to be up to you to decide that you're not going to sit on the sidelines and watch our people consistently slide deeper and deeper into a pit that we have the power to rise out of. We're going to have to stop trusting black faces in high places that have consistently and inherently proven to us that they don't have our best interests at heart. I am saying that there is absolutely nothing that we can't overcome. What I'm saying is we need to consistently send the message. While I don't agree that voting for Donald Trump was the answer for black man, I believe that it definitely sent a message to Dems that we see through you. That we're no longer going to blindly come to you with our support when we know what you're doing to me. I'm not going, I mean, to me, you can't sit up and do me like 
Joe Biden did me and then said, I still need your vote. Now, the man stood up and told you, along with his uh, running mate, Kamala Harris, specifically, Kamala Harris told you she's not doing anything specific and special for black people only. That was clearly said. Not, I'm not changing around. I'm saying exactly what the woman said. Okay, Joe Biden has said absolutely not on reparations. Won't even discuss it. It's not a part of any program. In every program that they talk, Dr. Anderson has warned us against this. And many others have warned us uh, warned us about this. It's something I told you. When they start using the word minority, watch out. Minority doesn't just mean black people. Minority stands for every other person in this country who isn't white who isn't accepting as a Caucasian or a European, and they are talking about them as a whole, not specifically dealing with the unique issues that are associated with being descendants of slaves in this country. There's a uniqueness about our existence. There's no other group of people on this planet that can op that can talk about or um, from a place of experience and education speak uh boldly and accurately on what we've been through but us that's why i have a problem with all of these different blacks from different places don't get me wrong i i, I am at the core pan-african but i i am at the operational stage of ados and and people say how do you be? number one is i love all my people no matter where they at i am in connection with the diaspora but i am not foolish enough to believe that there is not a unique experience that only applies to me and the people who have come from the descendants of the slaves that built this country that you said that 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 experience is unique you cannot escape it you must deal with it you must confront it and if we're ever going to be a united people globally it starts with us becoming a united people here and anybody that tries to disrupt that i have a problem with you regardless of your race this is something that we are definitely going to have to deal with and we are not doing a good job of it at this particular point in time i am definitely going to be more active in confronting this i'm coming to you guys like i said I'm going to, I'm not sure if I'm going to do the, I had said I was going to do recordings when it comes to uh, the beyond the surface, because we're going to deal with this whole media uh, narrative, media propaganda and all that stuff on a weekly basis. We're going to talk about the different elements because I want to talk about how you can overcome those things um, on an individual level, because we can only be as strong as a unit as we are individually. And so we need to strengthen our youth. We need to strengthen our households. We need to strengthen our marriages. We need to strengthen our focus on the uniqueness of who we are historically. And we need to use these different areas to build our own personal foundation. We've got to stop begging people to allow us to be a part of what they, what they have. Now, even though we built this country, we've got to find our own stake in it. Because they've taken the stakes that we're talking about. And we can only reclaim something from a place of power. Power does not concede to anything else but greater power. It does not concede to morality. Power does not concede to reason. Power concedes to a greater force than itself. And so if we ever want our place here, we have to take it. On that note, look, I'm going to get ready to get out of here.
Yeah, people of color is another one. People of color, minorities is just another way of diverting and diluting the real true issue here. If they're not saying for black people specifically, Af American descendants of slaves, people who literally have a history connected to the people who built this country for free, that gave this country a head start, then it's not for us. We have been bamboozled over and over again because we are sitting up buying into the whole conversation of minorities. That's so ambiguous. It's so nebulous. It's so unclear. Who are you talking about? Because see, while Latinos are minorities, while Asians are minorities, while Arabs are minorities, every last one of them have unique interests. They have unique issues. They have unique concerns. And there are at times when the concerns of one can create issues and ideas and agendas that can be diametrically opposing to the interests of others. You cannot group all of that in the one and say we're looking out for minorities because looking out for one group may mean the the detriment of another we you need an agenda with specific protocols and policies in place that deal with the issues that are specific to african americans that are the descendants of slaves period point blank we need that then we can talk about how we can connect with our other brothers and sisters that are not a part of this community. We have to be aware of it because there are some unique and legal elements and components that go along with it. We have to understand there is a reason why blacks from other uh, na uh, nationalities can come here and get access to things that it's difficult for us to get to. We, we, we've got to be aware of how we are viewed in this country as a population. And I'm speaking specifically of the descendants of slaves. I'm talking about people who can trace their heritage back to slave plantations uh, in the US. There is a uniqueness about our existence. Um, it has been well chronicled in academia uh, it's been well chronicled in, in social and in socioeconomic reports and studies. Uh, we need to be aware of it. We need to look at how it has impacted us, how it has impacted our health outcomes, how it has impacted our social mobility, our financial fluidity. All of these things are actually directly associated with our experience in this country, tracing back to slavery. And they will consistently tell us we need to let it go. It's been 150 plus years. It's time to know. Until we deal with the issues that are constantly, perpetually being transmitted from generation to generation, we're going to have a problem and we need to deal with it. Daniel Patrick Monahan told us that in his report, The Negro Family, A Case for National Action, uh, released in 1965, more affectionately known as the Monahan Report. He told us this back in 65, that we're gonna to have to deal with the black population 
differently. The Negro, he he referred to it as the Negro population differently, that their unique experience in this country requires unique attention and that they deserve it and that we need to underwrite their healing. We need to underwrite their economic growth. It was ignored. It was and it was ignored by a Democratic administration, LBJ. That, like I said, there's plenty of culpability to be passed around to the Republicans, but we need to hold the Democrats responsible and accountable for the roles that they've played, the moves they made. It was the policies of the LBJ administration that caused the disintegration of the black family in this in its greatest in its greatest uh, in its greatest form. We need to understand that. We need to read and understand it on a level that we're normally not used to engaging things. We can't be lazy with our thinking. We cannot be lazy with our studying. We cannot be lazy with our research. We cannot be lazy with how we move forward. Our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren are dependent upon us being the change makers, being the catalyst for a new focus, a new idea, a new approach. I, I, I encourage you to go to uh, the Odyssey Project site at www.theodysseyproject21.top and go to uh, resources and programs and look at the Blueprint one, uh, 1.0. Look at the code of conduct. Look at the things that I spent years coming together and put up with. Uh, I, I'm so proud of some of it because I got to work with people uh, when, I, when, when I was trying to uh, – put it together and research it and, and, and th things, thoughts were going through my mind. I got input from people I have so much respect for. Uh, at the top of the list is uh, Dr. Claude Anderson and his wife, Joanne, uh, Joanne Anderson. Uh, they played a major role in, in, in uh, looking at it. Uh, but I, I, I talked to Dr. Boyce Watkins. I talked to Tariq Nasheed. Uh, who else? Um, a few other people. And my whole thing is, and if you, you ever follow me, you understand me, I don't have an ego. And I don't demand that the people I deal with agree with everything I say. I don't like yes men. Never have. Never had yes men around me. People that tell me I'm right when they know damn well I'm wrong. Or people who are afraid to challenge what I'm saying because uh, they they enjoy the space that I have created for them to operate. I, I, I don't operate like that. I need people who are willing to challenge me. I need people who think differently because this world is that complex. One trained, uni, a unitrained thought process won't get the job done. You need people who are aggressive. You needed Markham and Malcolm operating together. That's what we needed. And so my thing is, I challenge you go there and check it out um and, and and look at what we're doing there uh get some ideas send me some more ideas tell me where you think i'm off at this is about building something it's about being a part of something grand not for the sake of getting a pat on the back but for a sake of passing something on to the next generation that they can take and use and and, and literally get to a point we talk about. See, and, and I'm, I'm going to leave you with, with, with this particular idea. I have often said, and I will consistently say this, and I believe it to be absolutely and 100% true. And that is 
that we need men, specifically men, but women too, but specifically men. We need men who are willing to plant seeds that we may not live long enough to see come to fruition. We don't have enough long-term visionaries and, and activists and people who are willing to really truly put their heart into something. We live in a microwave society where everybody is looking for immediate gratification. People want to do something that somebody can say, look how awesome you are now. So they, they look for little things that make these great big flashes in the pan but have no longevity, have no true reach and length and sustainability. It looks good for the moment and you get your award, you get your plaque, you know, you may make some money off of it, but it doesn't have any true longevity. We need men who are willing to plant seeds in the hearts of children, plant seeds in the heart of healing our women, plant seeds in the heart of building businesses that may not come to fruition in our lifetime. We've got to be looking 30 years from now. Where will we be? What do we need to do now to ensure that the children that grow up 30 years from now in 2050 won't face the same identical things that we faced for the last five generations? So what do we need to do? How does that look? And what that will mean for the people who start this is that you won't be here when that happens. And if you do, you're going to be extremely old. And there's a chance even that some people will forgot the role you played in it. But what you got to understand is that this life is about more than what people see, more than what people say. It's about the life you live and how it speaks for you after you're gone. It's the legacy that you're going to leave behind. We are talking about Malcolm Marcus and, 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 and Martin because no matter what you think about their philosophies, they went beyond and above. They stepped out and took steps and things. Malcolm and Martin both died at age 39. And both of them knew they wouldn't have long lives. Read their memoirs. They knew that the route they took shortened their lives, but they lived it and they planted seeds. Some of the things are still being unwrapped now for those of us who have the minds to look beyond the surface. Some of the things that those men did are still being unwrapped now. The fruit is just now starting to be born. And that's the kind of men we need. We need men who are going to sit up and say, I'm going to plant seeds. I'm going to start something with these. Children. That's what, for instance, that's what black man lead is about. Black man lead is about taking four uh, young black males from age four and up and planting seeds in them that teaches them how to respect themselves, how to respect and protect and cover our women, how to build businesses, the responsibility of being your own boss, all of these different things. We're starting why. And the thing is, by the time this sticks, but see, we're, we're inculcating it into their young psyches at a time that it'll stick and that it'll be perpetuated. And then we're going to support it, sustain it, nurture it, water it, and push it on until they get old enough to act on it. And by the time they get old enough to act on it and they're exposed to a world that's going to try to lie to them and tell them they're not who they are, they won't believe it. They won't have self-hatred. Why? Because they will know who they are. They won't have an unexplained anger towards black women because they will know who they are. They will not have a need to be lazy and taken care of because they will know who they are. That's what we need right now. We need men 
who are willing to plant seeds that they will not live long enough to see come to fruition. If we get to that, where we can get to where we're living out a vision instead of acting on momentary stimulus, the possibilities are endless. That's my challenge to you. That's my challenge to you. If you're breathing, you're still in the fight. While time can't be recovered, it can be redeemed. Remember that. You can't recover lost time, but you can be. You can redeem. You can take 40 years you've lost in your life just frailing, flailing around and doing nothing and taking life casual. You can be in your 50s, your 60s. You can be in your 70s, and you can turn around and decide, I'm going to make a difference. And that last five years you have on this earth, that last 10, 15, 20 years you have will shine so brightly that it will make up for what was wasted in the 50. You can redeem time even though you can't recover it. Don't sit on the sidelines in a time when you are needed. There's somebody you can touch. There's somebody you can help. There's somebody you can support. There's a word of encouragement. There's seeds to be sown financially. There is so much that needs to be done. Our unity scares the hell out of them. J. Edgar Hughes asked, what's the greatest threat to American security, American national security? His response was black unity. That's why there is so much antagonism aimed at the black community because they know who we are. It's time now for us to discover who we are. Look, I'm going to get out of here, you guys. I thank you for giving me so much of your time. I didn't realize it was going to be this long when I jumped up here, but I knew it was something that I needed to talk about. I had watched it for a couple of days, and I'm like, man, this dude is not actually going to sit up here and blame black, black blame rap music and rappers for a defection of black men who decided they simply were not going to vote for a dude that was responsible for their d demise. And so I had to address that, and then... All the rest comes out of the discussion of that. We truly are in a place that's pivotal. And, and we're going to have to determine where we want to end up as we pivot. And that's going to be completely up to us. On that note, I'm going to get out of here one more time. I'm going to leave uh, the information for you to support the work that we do at the Odyssey Project. Click that link and go to the site or go ahead and show your love. Um, on uh, by you know donating through our cash app account. However you do it will be appreciated. On that note, I'm get out of here. Uh, you guys will see me a little bit later, whether it's recorded or live, uh, talking about the um, beyond the surface and me media manipulation, uh, mind control, and the liberation of the black mind. On that note, I'm out of here.